0: What's up, everyone? Man, I am so looking forward to this episode
1: for this week's podcast. It's going to be uh, a are lot of fun. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? What? Uh, our rights are being taken away. There's suffering going on. Texas, Georgia, Florida. And you're just you're just letting it happen. Your silence, that's, that's all I need to hear. That's all I need to what hear are is you your ta- silence. Your, your your speech, your opinions offends me, okay? You shouldn't even be allowed to speak. You should, I don't even know why I'm friends with you. You are
0: an idiot.
1: I and am going would, to you report don't... you and and off to the gulag. You go.
0: Oh, really? You're going to send me there?
1: I'll send you to the gulag. Just
0: for any random reason? Just because you don't like the cut of my jib?
1: I don't like your opinion. Or you don't like Diversity opinion? Diversity of okay. opinion is not allowed. You have to conform.
0: Or be cast out. You know who you remind me of? You remind me of the very subjects that we're going to be talking about in this episode. And I am so freaking glad that we're going to have this guy on the show to talk about that and sit you down and put you in your place. Goodbye. Oh, don't do me any favors. All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Sons of History podcast. I'm Dustin Bass.
1: And I'm Alan Joaquin.
0: And I will tell you this, sir, it's good to have you again, finally, back in the studio.
1: I thank you. Yeah, because the last couple of times I had to operate from home Uh for various reasons floods, mom. (laughs) Floods, more moms. How many moms do you got? Uh, Well, she's a handful. she is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, it's good to see you.
1: Good yeah. to see you too, sir. Yeah,
0: thank you very much. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to thoroughly enjoy this episode. I can guarantee you, as I always guarantee in every episode, and I hope to God, uh, I haven't been wrong on any of our episodes. I'll tell you this, man. I have thoroughly enjoyed this second season thus far.
1: Yeah, I do too. It's uh, definitely more structured. Whoever's planning this thing. Whoever really is, is <laughs> planning. <laughs> wow. definitely, Definitely doing a pretty good what job. What a great I have to... person. Yeah, well.
0: <laughs> I don't know who it is. Yeah. I know the one who's not structuring. Uh, but I don't know know, who uh, the one who is structuring. I'm
1: not the organizer. I'm just the talent. (laughs) You're just the talent.
0: (laughs) And it is lagging. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't yet, please uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you haven't uh, subscribed to our podcast, wherever you are listening, and if you would do us a huge favor, uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but we've gotten a lot of rating and reviews lately, uh, which is awesome. So thank you to everyone who has left a rating and a review. And if you haven't yet and you enjoy the show, please, by all means, leave us a rating and review. Let us know what you think about the show. Um, And speaking of the show, the new section of the show which i have thoroughly enjoyed is this week in history you ready for that i'm ready let's all go. right let's see what the hell happened this week in history
1: all right since uh, mine uh i looked at yours since mine took place you know further in the into the uh past i think i should go first go you? for it all right so here's what we're gonna do All right, now, I'm hoping that these dates are correct, because we're talking about antiquity. So, Mm -hmm. it'd be October the 19th, 202 B.C. Before Christ. Before Christ. Although they didn't know it at the time, that's not how they dated their years, but... uh, It is now. It is now, and we're going to stick with that. Thank you, Jesus. We're going (laughs) to stick with that one. I know some people prefer a different method, but we'll stick with the B.C., since... That's what Western civilization is all about, mm-hmm. is it not? All right. So the Battle of Zama, or Zama, I'm mean, not sure what the pronunciation is, but it was part of the Second Punic War. Now, for those uh, who might not be familiar, there were three major wars between Carthage, which is in modern-day Tunisia, mm-hmm. and Rome. They were both competing powers in the Mediterranean Sea. And, uh, you know, the, the Punics were Phoenician, that, that's where they came from, modern-day Lebanon. So I don't know if you ever read the Aeneid. Do you ever read that?
0: I've read portions of it.
1: Okay, did you get the one about Queen uh, Dito, Dido, Dido?
0: Uh, no, but I do. Uh, well Actually, I don't anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hate her music now. No, are you kidding? No, her music.
1: Often. Her music's pretty good.
0: Back in the day when it first came out, yeah. I was like, "All right, I'm, I'm yeah. a fan." My brother would buy her albums, yeah. but now um, I like pretty. I would rather throw up. Yeah, than well, listen to yeah, that. some. That's right up there good. with Ace of Bass. It just, but I as think as well she
1: she named herself. I'm going to call her Dido. I think she named herself uh, after Queen Dido, who was from I think Tyre or mm-hmm. maybe Sidon, but I'm pretty sure it was Tyre, Lebanon, and uh, she created the town of uh, or the city of Carthage and. Aeneas came in, and they were lovers, and then he jilted her. So that kind of set the tone for the hatred between the Carthaginians and the Romans. So now in this case, there there was a previous war. Um, in the Second Punic War, there was uh, Hannibal, mm-hmm. and uh, he was famous for the elephants uh, going over the Alps and attacking Rome, and um, there was the Battle of Cannae, which wiped out mm-hmm. much of uh, the Roman army. Um But then, what had happened was that uh, they sent Rome sent a guy named uh, Scipio Africanus. His uh, real name was um, Publius Cornelius Scipio, and they called him Africanus. Mm -hmm. So on October the nineteenth, they met um, in in North Africa, uh, outside of uh, outside of uh, uh, of Carthage. And now Hannibal Barca, he had about forty thousand men. And uh, Scipio Africanus had about 35,000, and this included allies. But Hannibal had um, elephants. He had about 80 elephants, war elephants. So, you know, in the past they had worked, but in this case, uh, Scipio knew what to do. And when they charged the elephants, mm-hmm. all his men did was get out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like what you saw in, uh, what was it, the, uh, the Karate Kid 2? Get out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the one? Huh. Where, that's the one where they were in uh, in Hawaii. Mm. They they said was Okinawa. Was it in Hawaii or Japan? It was filmed in Okina- It was filmed in Hawaii, but they said it was in Okinawa. Oh, okay. Anyway, so um so they just got out of the way, and then there was attack after attack, and eventually um the Carthaginians were defeated. Now, depending on the source, if you um read uh, Livy or um, Polybius, they both said. Uh, of the 20,000 were killed of the of the Carthaginians, Carthaginians. twenty thousand were killed twenty thousand were twenty thousand were captured um, appian um he stated that it was more there was about twenty five thousand Carthaginians killed, but regardless um, it was yeah. a huge defeat for Half Carthage yeah it was a huge defeat for Carthage, and uh they set up hu- these humiliating terms mm-hmm. um, now Hannibal survived um and he kind of like. Jumped around to help people. Uh, he he did become a like a in a statesman, Senate. Yeah, statesman, yeah, senator or something in in Carthage. Mm-hmm. Um, the part of the terms was that Carthage could not uh, go to war unless yeah. given permission uh, from Rome. But <laughs> when the Numidians attacked, they uh-huh. defended themselves. But that was reason enough for Carthage to. Uh, be attacked by Rome, mm-hmm. and then Rome just Destroyed, annihilated yeah. Carthage. The Third Punic War, of about fifty years later, annihilated Carthage, and that was the end of Carthage. Yeah. I mean, everybody who was alive pretty much became a slave. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting note: I don't know if have you ever heard of Archimedes of mm-hmm. Syracuse? Um, he he de- he died during the Second Punic War um, over in Sicily, uh, in Syracuse, when the Romans attacked. Yeah. Um, just one of the many. Many people who died during that time. It wasn't necessarily part of the reason because of the Carthaginians, but Rome did attack Sicily during that war. And Archimedes, Mm -hmm. who was known for a laser to, mythologically, a laser to burn up Roman ships and to pick them up. Yeah, he was the one who
0: was coming up with all of these futuristic yeah tools of yeah. war mm-hmm. yeah the one was there was the claw the claw or whatever yeah, yeah.
1: so uh, yeah that happened during that yeah, time
0: it, it, the punic wars are ju- if you've never like just read or, or watched some stuff on it it's a really fascinating mm-hmm. um, and it's scipio versus hannibal which yeah. is which is a lot of fun to learn yeah. about.
1: There, there is a four-volume edition that you can find, like Penguin Classics four-volume mm-hmm. edition of Livy's History of Rome, mm-hmm. and I, be- I want to say his second one, maybe his third one, one mm-hmm. of those two is about the war with Hannibal. Yeah.
0: Well, my uh, this week in history is October twenty first, eighteen o five. One of my favorite periods in world history: the Napoleonic Wars,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and. This is one of my favorite moments of the Napoleonic Wars, which did not favor Napoleon one bit, actually. This is the Battle of Trafalgar or Trafalgar or. Yeah, it's, it's I so think anyways. it's Trafalgar.
1: Yeah. What do I know? Yeah.
0: I don't. Zama, Zama.
1: Yeah, I know. Zama.
0: It, it could go It depends. Yeah, yeah. It
1: depends on who you talk to. I've heard Scipio Africanus and I've yeah. heard Scipio Africanus. Right. So it I depends. I've always heard Scipio, but yeah. hey,
0: you never know. Uh, it's not English.
1: Oh, did you, did you, I know. Did you see, you remember the movie, um, what was that movie with Russell Crowe, Gladiator? Yeah. You remember? <laughs> Do you remember that the first battle before he revealed himself? Um, mm-hmm. That was supposed to be the, the, uh, like the Battle of Carthage. Yeah, the Battle of Carthage, Or yeah. the Battle of Zama or something.
0: Mm-hmm. A people should know when they're, mm-hmm. what, defeated? Or yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're like, you, you know, that's when um, Commodus... Com- enough, all let right. me get on with my thing. <laughs> Anyways, we'll be stuck on that all day. Know, especially when you start talking about Gladiator, uh, which is my favorite movie. Good movie. Along with uh, Hans Zimmer, man, he Krasa really make the movie
1: the movie even better.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, unbelievable. All right, so this battle is a sea battle, naval battle between the British and the Franco-Spanish fleet. Um, so this actually took off or took place off of the coast of Trafalgar. Trafalgar. Um, so the British fleet was actually outnumbered. Um, so what Napoleon wanted to do was use this, uh, combination of the French and Spanish fleets, like Spain belonged to, to, to France, uh, at that time, because Napoleon was conquering everybody. And so he wanted to actually invade Britain. Um, well, there was one guy standing in the way. His name was vice Admiral Lord, Lordy, Lordy Nelson. Uh, that was actually a nickname that nobody gave him until just now by me. Um, The British Lordy 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 Lordy. lordy. Look who's Lord Nelson. Uh, So the British fleet was actually outnumbered. The enemy had about 30,000 men and 2,632 guns. Britain had about 18,000 men and 2,148 guns. Now, did you know that Santa Ana? And Thomas Hardy were part of this battle.
1: I did not know until I read your notes. Yeah. But yeah, no, I did not it's know. Crazy. That. That's yeah. pretty uh, Santa Anna of all Santa people. Santa
0: Anna of all people. Actually he, he wasn't a person at the time. He was uh, he was a boat. He was a Spanish ship. And did I you, think did you hear what I of, said? Did no. you hear
1: what I said? I said, I hope he died in that battle.
0: <laughs> he did. Well, yeah. It's and I think that five, was sort of yeah. indicative of what was going had to he, take place.
1: Had he died about forty m- years later. Yeah, had he yeah. died, there might not have been a Texas Revolution. Yeah, exactly.
0: Interesting, um, and Thomas Hardy was actually a flag captain. It wasn't the writer at the time. Anyway, you know his
1: writing sucks, so I kind of wish. Uh, don't you ever, Thomas Hardy? I love Dude, Thomas Hardy. I, I read uh, *Mayor of Castlebridge. Yeah, have you ever read? Um, and I heard far, of, uh,
0: *Far from the*. Okay, you're taking. You're you're killing me. This I'm, is my moment.
1: Oh, I'm I'm all right, adding shut up to for it. a
0: second. Far from the Madding crowd, read that. It'll break your heart, and it's a really good story. Anyways, hmm. all right. So, did you know? Okay. So Vice Admiral Nelson, Lord Nelson actually planned, thank you. Just ignore me at the at the for the moment. Had actually planned the attack and ended up splitting the Franco-Spanish fleet in two, which was part of his plan, and it was about a 6-hour battle at the end of it. A total of 449 British sailors were killed and 1217 were wounded. But the Franco-Spanish losses were massive, 4,408 dead, 2,545 wounded, and about 20,000 taken prisoner. Now, 449 British sailors were killed. One of those Brits that were killed was Vice Admiral Lord Nelson, um, which really put just a damper on this massive victory that turned the tide that really gave Britain ownership of the seas Mm -hmm. uh, after that for... uh, Probably for the next what, one hundred and fifty years. Yeah, uh, yeah, end of World War Two. Yeah, when and the so, United
1: States pretty much. Uh, it's civilians. incredible stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I always want. I remember hearing. So that was October twenty
0: first, eighteen o five. Yours was October nineteenth, mm-hmm. and another moment in in American history, which is pretty significant, take place October twentieth, seventeen. I mean, nineteen seventy eight, and that was my brother's birthday. So happy birthday, Brandon. Yeah, I
1: thought you were going to yeah. say something about the. What, was it the Battle of Leyte Gulf around that time? I don't... Don't don't, don't get me
0: started. I'm not good with dates, okay? I'm I, not good I, I with w- dates, and that's why I'm still single. All I right, wanna say...
1: Gentlemen, that yeah. is our oh, this week. Wait, wait. Before you do, um, I want to... If you get a chance, take a look, and maybe our audience too, but the British have now been singing like uh, Britannia Rule or Rule Britannia. That's mm-hmm. you know their song that they right. sing. Rule Britannia, Britannia, rule the ways. I wonder that is... Was that made up after the Battle of Trafalgar? I'm curious about that. I guess only yeah. one way to find out. Yeah, we have to read up on that We're one. We had to Google it. Yep.
0: Wikipedia? Yeah. I don't think so. Mm. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was our this week in history. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we've got Donald Critchlow on the podcast today. He is the author of the new book, Revolutionary Monsters. He is also the Cats and Family Professor at arizona state university he has written god knows how many books and that's one of the things that i want to find out like how many freaking books have you written or been a part of so without further ado we've got donald critchlow on the line donald how are you doing
2: Hey, it's really uh good to see you guys and uh thanks very much for having me uh on today
0: you got it now i gotta say um i i finished your your new book revolutionary monsters thoroughly enjoyed it um and I think it's a, a really necessary book. And it's interesting that you sort of point that out in your introduction. You're, you're right at the beginning. Um, you call your book a warning to those beguiled by a siren call of revolution. So what is it that you have seen in your time as a college professor that calls you to write this book? I mean, as a college professor, but just as as just a typical citizen.
2: Well, I uh, wrote the book uh, not as a college professor so much, but as a con- as a person concerned about where we're uh, headed in this country. And uh, one of the things that prompted me to write the book is one survey that showed that 52% of our uh, young people support uh, socialism. And that was disturbing enough. And then I saw another poll just shortly after afterwards that said that 20% of our young people want to abolish private property and only have state-owned property. So that's what inspired me to write the book. I think they, uh, these people our younger people as well as many Americans really need a wake-up call about uh, how things could go awry very quickly under, uh under a siren song of social equality and we're going to create uh, the perfect man, the perfect socialist man. So uh, I wrote the book uh, with the intention of uh really waking up, waking up uh, our youth as well as many Americans as toward the uh, as to the past.
1: Now, why these five particular dictators, as opposed to, you know, there's so many that I'm sure people will say, you know, what about uh, uh, Hitler or Pol Pot? Um, one of my favorites is Idi Amin.
2: Yeah, well, I had a lot to, uh, I had a lot to choose from, and I explain in the introduction to this very uh, short and readable uh, book, Revolutionary Monsters, why these five were, uh, men were selected. And they were selected because they were represented five different uh, continents, uh, uh, Russia, that is uh, Europe, China, uh, Cuba, that is Latin America, Caribbean, Africa with Mugabe, and then the Middle East with uh, Khomeini. And I think all five of these uh, men show a similar uh, pattern in their uh, revolutions. The revolutions begin with bad ideas seeping into the youth and the uh, so-called intelligentsia, and then uh, then you get social discord and you have narcissistic uh, men, uh, such as the five I uh, discuss and explore in short chapters, I might add, very concise history of uh, of revolutionaries, how they seize power uh, and uh, create uh, tyranny, police stakes and genocide and crimes against humanity.
0: You know, you, you mentioned uh, that your book is short, and it is a short book. Um, it's uh, 177 pages long, um, but it is thorough. Um, and one of the things that you do point out, and I think justly, is that a place of, of the hot one of the hotbeds of revolution in these five areas these five regions was in academia was in the university. Um, what do you see right now? Um, that that is sort of parallel here in the US as compared to what academia was doing in those five regions?
2: Well, that's a re- uh, really good question. And thank you for asking it. In all, all five of these uh, monsters, uh, as I described in Revolutionary Monsters, went to university. They were well educated, and it was while in universities that they first encounter uh, bad ideas. Uh, and that, and uh, so what, what's going on today? Well, I, I can tell you a good story that I think is uh, pretty revealing. The other day, in one of my classes, we were discussing the differences between a political revolution that brings political change and a social revolution that calls for social equity or equality. And one student, we were were talking about the Polish revolution in 1989, and one student said they had never heard that uh, Poland was communist, and that uh, he had never heard of the Berlin Wall, uh, fall of the Berlin Wall, yes. And uh, of course he's young, but I didn't blame him. I blame it on uh, an education system, system that we've created from uh, K through 12 and reinforced by universities that are teaching uh, history primarily through uh, identity. So major events such as the fall of the Berlin Wall, the end of the Cold War, uh, he, he didn't uh, know. So it's not that students aren't being taught history. Uh, except they're taught, they're being taught a, a very uh, narrow kind of history uh, through uh, a lens of identity, often uh, uh, articulated by teachers and professors with uh, with a bias.
1: You know who I blame for that would have to be uh, Gerald Ford, because in the 1976 presidential um, debates, he told uh, the audience when he was competing against Jimmy Carter that under a Ford administration, Eastern Europe will never be dominated by the Soviet Union. You're too young to remember that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't well, know if you brilliant. remember that one.
2: <laughs> well, I'm, uh, I'm uh, I watched it, so I wasn't uh, too young for it. I mean, and. Uh, we're getting a little off track, but uh Ford's answer was so uh uh shocking that Eastern Europe wasn't dominated by uh, the Soviet Union, that the uh that the commentator uh of the debates, ask him again if, they, if that's what he was saying for uh, proceeding. But I don't think we should blame uh, Gerald Ford for the lack of uh, what's happened in our educational system. I mean, I, I think what's uh, occurred is that uh, suddenly we've woken up in 2021 uh, after COVID and parents watching what their kids were being taught. Uh, kind of a neo-racism in which uh, uh, white privilege was being denounced and our founding principles were being described as uh, systemic racist and uh, so forth and suddenly parents woke up but this long march through our institutions uh, including the media, education, entertainment, and many corporations uh, have has been going on for uh, for decades now, and suddenly we've awoken to uh, uh, what I would describe as uh, as a takeover.
1: Now, <clears throat> before I go to my question, there there's two examples of why I'm even going to ask this. Um, when I was working at this law firm, I walked into a lawyer's office, and he had a huge poster. Um, it was an Andy Warhol painting or print of uh, Mao Tse Tung, and I was was shocked to see it. Um, I believe it was Andy Warhol, if I'm not mistaken, but it was a huge portrait of him. And, um, and the other one uh, dealt with um, uh, Dr. Uh, Jordan Peterson, and he was talking about how everybody has heard of the Holocaust, but nobody has heard about the gulags and what, uh, what the Soviets did to the kulaks. And I, and I, did, see, I did spot that in your book. Um, but, but this is going to lead into my next question, is, is that in addition to academia, um, is Western journalism and the media, which includes Hollywood, um, are they the biggest culprits in protecting the reputations of these dictators and allowing them and their successors, you know, to uh, to continue doing what they're doing and continue ruling.
2: Yes, well, one of the things I, uh, one of the uh, patterns I point out with all of these, uh, in all of these revolutions and all of these uh, monsters is that they, when they came, initially came to power, the uh, press, uh, the Western press touted them as uh, as kind of great men's, simple uh often simple men, but charming, uh, who uh, really were concerned about uh, making a better society. So, uh, for example, in, I'll take uh, Mao, Mao was uh, widely depicted in uh, the Western press in the 1930s as kind of a simple uh, peasant, ju- uh, really a Democrat, not really a communist. Uh, an agrarian reformer who was going to uh, undertake uh, reform, uh, ending corruption in China. And if I may add one other uh, example of this, Robert Mugabe uh, in in the chapter I discuss is described uh, by the Western press as well as by political leaders, as the new African, uh, the new African leader who's going to bring a different, uh, a new democracy, uh, and prosperity to to Africa. Uh, he was uh, he showed uh, anyone who knew anything about Zimbabwe, Rhodesia at that point, understood he was a terrorist. Uh, he didn't believe he believed in one party uh, rule. And it didn't take very long for him to, once he was in power, to launch a genocidal uh, campaign against a rival uh, tribe uh, in which uh, North Korean trained troops were brought in to uh, burn villages, undertake a systematic starvation of the people, and uh, rape uh, women and kill children. So meanwhile, uh, the Western press ignored uh, what was happening generally uh, uh, in the Mugabe uh, regime. Just as they ignored what was happening in uh, China during the Great Famine, many people uh, denied it, and in the same way in Russia with the uh, with the gulags. Even today, we have uh, people uh, still touting uh, Bernie Sanders, for example, how Cuba really has uh, great health care. I mean, anyone who knows anything about Cuba understands, like any uh, socialist communist system, the elites have better care. The higher up you go in the party hierarchy, the better care you get. But if you're an average Cuban, you often can't buy common uh, pain relievers uh, at at your uh, local pharmacy. So yes, I think the Western uh the Western press has been quite uh, guilty of uh of misportraying uh these monsters.
1: Do you think America and perhaps the rest of the, you know, uh, the rest of the West, are we destined to suffer the same fate as Zimbabwe? In terms of, you know, some of the stuff that we're seeing, uh, the comeuppance against the colonists, is you know, some of the words that I'm hearing. Um, but based on the, you know, current push right now for economic and social reforms, um, as well as the, uh, the the harsh racial divisions. I mean, I remember hearing, I don't know if her name was Pisaki or Saki whatever, Biden's press secretary. And he said, uh, you know, with COVID, we are going to uh, finally change, fundamentally change the economy. So is is that where we're headed um
2: yeah well, i don't think we're uh, headed toward uh zimbabwe uh but what we are seeing is a quiet revolution uh that's becoming uh increasingly uh authoritarian as uh government uh begins to exert uh power uh against uh individual rights and i'm not just talking about the the vaccine, uh, you know, the vaccine mandate, I'm talking about something uh, larger. Uh, People should be really concerned that the Department of Justice unleashed a politicized FBI to uh, look at parents uh, protesting at school boards uh, to see if they are potential uh, domestic uh, terrorists. Meanwhile, we have uh, those uh, protesters uh, who marched into the uh, capitol on january 6th being sentenced to law to uh prison terms for praging in the capitol now we can uh disagree w- about whatever happened in on january 6th uh i don't think it was an insurrection i think it was a uh, misplaced uh uh emotion uh with a with the crowd getting carried away but to be sentenced to prison uh in, for having marched into uh marched into the to the uh congress is something uh is something that we should all be concerned with and i think we should be concerned with the kind of uh unleashing of uh, federal power that we're uh that we're seeing
0: you know um i think absolutely you're correct on on as, as far as we should all be concerned about what is going on from the DOJ doing what they're doing. Um, the DOJ is is playing a, a major role in all of this. Um, but with all that has happened, especially with this era of COVID, and, and you saw it happen across – the globe and in various countries where from democracies to outright uh tyrannies, they were taking more power. Um and so even the democracies democracies were becoming uh tyrannical. Um and do you do you see that there might because there's obviously a pushback Um, with this, and you're seeing this in places like Australia, which has become a prison. Um, you've seen it in the UK, uh, where people massive crowds are pushing back, and in the US you see it as well. Um, what is it that that possibly gives you hope? And like you said, this has sort of been a silent revolution moving in the wrong way. And now you've seen uh parents have like you said, parents have woken up to what their children are being taught in this silent revolution. So they're pushing back. Um, to an extent, it's almost a, a counter revolution. And you mentioned counter revolution a lot in your in your book. How do you decipher what's going on revolutions, counter revolution, and anything gives you hope and moving forward in the West and almost globally, but in, in the West?
2: Well, I do have uh, uh, hope that, uh, that we're going to see, that we're witnessing a backlash against the uh, overextension of uh, government power and what I consider often unlawful uh, uh, measures that are being uh, taken. Uh, I just hope uh, revolutionary monsters and the uh, general backlash, my small uh, contribution, isn't uh, too late and that the backlash isn't too uh, late. We do need to be concerned about voter integrity. Without democracy, without uh, elections, fair elections, elections with integrity, democracy fails. People lose confidence in in the uh, elections. So what gives me hope? Uh, a couple things. We're really seeing, uh, we're seeing pairings. Uh uh, appearing at school boards, not only in Virginia, but across the uh, country. People are beginning to run for uh, office. I speak to a number of uh, Republican uh, clubs in Arizona, and they're getting huge attendance uh, at their luncheons. They're not coming out to hear me, uh, but they're, uh, they're getting regular uh, attendance. I'm a faculty advisor to the college Republicans uh, at uh, Arizona State. And they're getting uh, 80 and more students, the largest numbers they've ever uh, gotten. So I think people are really anxious about what's uh, what's happening in this uh, country. On the other hand, we still have many people who think uh, everything's okay. And uh, even though uh, Biden's uh, uh, numbers have dropped, it's surprising how many uh, people think that uh, he did, that the Afghanistan debacle was handled uh, properly, uh, that uh, immigration on our border, uh, in which uh hundreds of thousands of uh people are coming across uh and uh crime in uh, in our cities, everything seems to be working out okay. And that's how you know, And that's how revolutions uh, secede, whether they're violent revolutions, as I described in Revolutionary Monsters, or kind of a a quiet, Quiet, silent revolutions uh, led by uh, the administrative state uh, uh, representative and globalist, uh, backed by uh, corporate leaders and political parties. So they count on people uh, being uh, passive, thinking that things are okay, uh, listening to. uh, getting their news from Yahoo and uh, maybe snippets from MSNBC and CNN and so forth. So that's what they count on is uh, is uh, uneducated, unaware uh, people, and this is being reinforced in our educational systems, uh, K K through 12, as well as uh, across uh, universities. I mean, I'll I'll just say that. I'm one of the uh, few uh, conservatives at the largest uh, state university in the country. I mean, that's pathetic that there's only uh, one, uh, one or two, three, four people with uh, differing opinions. And I, and unlike my colleagues, uh, who are, uh, many of them are progressive, some are outright Marxist. Uh, and I'm I do not propaganda Propagandize in my classes by talking about the uh, the Constitution, having debates between the Federalists and the Federalists, and so forth. I am accused of being the conservative, even though I'm not advocating propagate propagandizing in my courses. That's what we've gotten to in this uh, country and our universities. <laughs> Parents need to wake up, state legislators need to wake up, Board of uh, Regents need to wake up, we all need to wake up, otherwise we're going to find ourselves in uh, a 1984 uh, uh, kind of world.
0: You know, there are some people who can sit there while their house is on fire, as long as the TV's on. (laughs) it is. It is wild. And and that's one of my primary concerns that you bring up is that the, the world itself is going to hell in a handbasket. And there are people who um, are walking around wanting to, you know, got the good vibe shirt, good vibes only shirt, you know, it's just like only speak positively. I'm like, I can't give you positivity right now. Uh, we need to look at at the reality of, of the situation. And it is. It is bizarre and it's scary that um, discussing the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, f- uh, the Anti-Federalists, and the Federalists is a conservative talking point. It's just like no, that's an American talking point. That's the basis of of who we are <laughs> and what we are and what we've been. Um, that's a scary thing. Didn't yeah, you- well, I
2: think we should uh, we should have uh, some uh, optimism that people are uh, reacting. You were going to uh, say something.
1: I was just going to say, wasn't the Smithsonian website or one of the websites uh, stated that the Constitution Declaration mm-hmm. of Independence might, it slapped a warning that it might offend people? It was the Library of Congress. Was,
2: yeah. yeah, it was Library of Congress who has a little note that you need to be uh, prepared for, uh, to be uh, offending. It was like uh bad uh, TV show that says about what you're about to uh, witness has graphic sex and uh, violent crime. I mean, so we're getting, we're getting, uh, we're getting warnings from Library of Congress to read in the uh, debates that people might be offended by it. I mean, one of the other things I you ask uh, how revolutions start, they start with bad ideas filtering into uh, the the young and 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 intellectuals. The other thing that happens is that occurs is that the elites, those in power, uh, have lost confidence in their own foundational principles. They have come to realize that their own uh, systems, whether it's in uh, Russia or China or or Cuba under Batista uh, or what or wherever, are uh, are are in fact uh, corrupt. And that the, uh, the elites are, uh, have, uh, they're, they're greedy and only concerned about power. And that's kind of what we're experiencing today with, uh, with our so-called uh, elites, both uh, the political class and the corporate class. People ask uh, me whether, you know, these corp- woke uh, corporate capitalists are just, uh, f- are just responding to uh, pressure from Black Lives uh, Matter. Uh, and social protests, Black Lives Matter as an organization being uh, Marxist, antifas, organized along uh, Marxist or uh, Leninist lines. So, are the corporations, you know, going along with critical race theory and, and giving uh, tens millions of dollars to BLM because they're intimidated, or something, or something else going on? And I would suggest to you that these woke capitalists. Uh, especially in uh, technology, about your age, uh, a little older, they, they've gone through uh, an educational system as well. They are totally woke. They, many of them believe that we are systematically uh, racist, that the Constitution was uh, social construction just desi- designed to uh, uh, serve white privilege and, uh, and to protect uh, slavery. They, that's what they, that's what many of them uh, think and then they're greedy uh and they're uh and wanting to uh uh trade and uh and get huge contracts with uh with china i mean google sets up uh, uh a viewing system uh for uh, China, in which uh, each uh, Chinese person gets a social credit, if they're doing the right things for the, uh, for the communist state, or if they have any complaints, then they get a negative social credit, which means they can't travel, they can't uh, buy tickets, uh, they can't get loans. I mean, Google, American corporation, helped set this up. It's a totalitarian system that they that they are created. And then we have to hear from Google and Apple, how about how uh, righteous they are. I mean, it is mind boggling.
0: <laughs> yeah, we are um, moving. You mentioned 1984, but we're moving right into the book of Revelation. Uh, so <laughs> it is it is, bizarre. <laughs> you know, speaking of uh, 1984, and the book of Revelation, those are two books that you didn't write, but my God, you've written so many books, you've been a part of so many books, uh, final question. One, how many books have you written or been a part of writing or editing? And two, where can people get your new book, Revolutionary Monsters?
2: Well, let's don't talk about the past. Let's talk about the uh, future. I've, I've written quite a few uh, books. Uh, but this book is uh, Revolutionary Monsters, was really written for a younger audience of mine. I really urge grandparents and parents to go out and buy the book. I uh, deliberately wrote it so there are not too many uh, large words, too big of words uh, for younger uh, readers. Uh, so th- the book, uh, you go online. Uh, it's uh, It could be found at... Uh, uh, through Regnery, uh, publishers. It could be found, uh, Amazon. It could be found through Goodreads. Uh, it could be found through Barnes and Noble. Uh, I had hoped that it said that it's for sale at Target, but I have to say when I went into Barnes and Noble, my local one, a friend of mine went into his in Kansas, uh, in Topeka, Kansas, the book wasn't, uh, there. So maybe it's best to order it uh, online directly from the uh, publisher. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and speaking of, of Target, I think Target only uh, allows super hardcore left leaning books in their uh, book section nowadays. It's it's wild over there.
2: Well, that's uh, better than Barnes and Noble. Uh, I mean, it, I mean, Barnes and Noble's a little bit uh, better because they allow uh, teddy bears. Uh, and little trinkets to be sold, as well as coffee. Uh, but you don't find a lot of, uh, uh, very many uh, serious uh, books in, in uh, Barnes & Noble bookstores, unfortunately. They have some, but I mean, what we're seeing is that Amazon uh, controls uh, 70% of the book market. That's why uh, your, con- your shows, and I want to thank you for your patriotism. It takes a good deal of work, and you have to suffer going to uh, parties in Houston in which uh, you're, you you become a target. So let's all stand up and do our little bits that we can to preserve uh, our our great and exceptional uh, country.
0: Yeah, totally agreed. Hey, Donald, thank you so much for joining us. Yes. Greatly appreciate it. Um, and thank you for, for writing this book, Revolutionary Monsters. Uh, it's a fantastic read, and it's a very necessary read.
2: You don't need to thank me. I just try to do my bit to, uh, to make a better uh, America and preserve our uh, great country. That, thank you. That's what motivates me. Thank I'm you an, very I'm, much.
1: I'm going to recommend people read this along with Animal Farm by George Orwell because they go hand in hand.
2: <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Hey, Have a good day, you guys. Hey you, you too. too. Take care. Keep up it. the good work. Bye I bye. It.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, we hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Donald Critchlow. I know I did. Um, man, just a, a very thorough discussion on where we are in the country based on the history of. Uh, well, I mean, I don't want to. It's not Western civilization because you're dealing with Russia, China, Middle East, uh, Africa. Yeah. Um, but it's still the same mentality that that's coming through. Uh, what did you think about the conversation?
1: Well, you know, like most of our conversations, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, I was going through his book, and I, and I am reading it, and it, it does not have a lot of fluff in it. You know, no. there's a lot of other books with with uh, five different uh, tyrants you would expect that this book would be like 700 pages mm-hmm. um it's not it's it's under 200 which um great cuz i can get the uh the substance yeah. uh but I, I i did enjoy talking with him um you know I, I mentioned zimbabwe and you know he had a little bit of a differing opinion he said i don't think we're there yet okay yep. you know it, it's always good to, to I don't or, want yeah. I don't want him to be a yes man. and Go well, yeah. Great, <laughs> yeah, great question, Alan. You uh-huh. know, it's or great opinion, Alan. I, yeah. I do want to hear what yeah, he. Yeah, I mean, because
0: sometimes them. your opinions are not that good.
1: Well, no, those are few <laughs> and far between. But uh, but you but know, speak- it's funny because I have discussions about the French Revolution, the Spanish Civil War. You know, where are we? That type of thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, speaking of the Spanish Civil War, that was one of the first. That was actually the first article I ever wrote for the Epic Times was is America heading towards a, a Spanish civil war uh you that's an opinion worth listening to anyways uh he mentioned something about a party in Houston
1: yeah yeah was that
0: yeah. in reference to you that was in reference Wait, to did me did you tell him about that
1: i told him about it yeah prior to the uh the discussion hmm. i uh last week i was at a party a good friend of mine i'm, I'm not going to mention names here i've known i've known her for 10 years yeah i love the girl great friend mm-hmm. um her friends on the other hand um they, you know, a diverse group of people, um, in terms of looks, but in terms of opinion, zero. Um, apparently, they were complaining about me after I had left, stating, um, you know, oh, he, you know, he's uh, he's voted for Trump, or you know, uh, he supports a wall in Mexico that you yeah. know, between us and Mexico, and and I was like. Yeah, what's, what is wrong with that? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you know, the, they were offended. You know, one of them has a mother who lives here, and what, do you want to kick her out? And I'm like going, what? that's like saying, okay, uh, your father is a thief, so if you lock your door, does that mean you hate my father? I'm like, where the hell did that come from? It's like... And and she was going on and on about, you know, uh, people just didn't really, they were felt offended by some of my opinions, which mm. I didn't even bring up. I mean, some of them would say something to me yeah. and I would just voice my opinion. And, you know, and it's like, you know, that party was a microcosm of what we see in society because yeah. they were telling her after I was gone. They didn't come up and talk to me about what they didn't like. They would go to her like we were still in high school yeah. and saying, "Why are you even friends with that guy?" I think mentally, a lot yeah. of these people are still in high school. Yeah, yeah you know, think... I'm,
0: in, I'm in a in a group. Um, it's an organization, and a lot of a lot, lot of great people but i have found like you know their early 20s mid 20s late 20s and i'm like you're out of high school you're out of freaking college why is your mentality still like freshman sophomore you know senior Mm -hmm. in high school Mm -hmm. what is that like grow you need to grow up well you know the this book um and i think one of the other issues Mm -hmm. is the immediate like the whole i'm offended by that like everything is in the immediate Nothing is ever thought of in the long term. Like, what is the consequences of this particular action? What happens if we don't secure the border? Mm -hmm. What happens? It doesn't matter. They need in. Okay, I'm not going to argue that they need in because I think that that's an argument that you would win. Mm -hmm. They do need in because Haiti and places like that are are terrible places to live. Mm -hmm. So I get the personal need for coming in. But we have to think about what's the long-term effect for the country in which they are coming into. Right, And no one talks, well, people don't think along those lines except in certain circles. That's, that is a, an issue that this country is running into. And I think that's what Donald was really mentioning as well is these people who are intellectuals, they focus on the youth, they focus on the young mm-hmm. who don't even know about the future consequences or the long-term consequences, they don't even know to even ponder those things.
1: Yeah, well, I mean that the thing that he mentions in the book is that um, first of all, the the monsters themselves are learned people. Mm-hmm. They they know their history. They they went to university. That's where they got their formulated much of their opinions. Right. But unfortunately, for say the United States, for much of Europe, um, and even around the world, um, they target. Kids that can become ideologues, that can become activists. Mm-hmm. They are emotional. I'm sorry, I'm going to offend some people here, but many of them are emotional, and they don't know either history or they don't know economics. Yeah. So when they're told, you know that you know democratic socialism or you know uh, the, you know why communism is good they don't quite understand what it's going to take what it's going to mean you know i read the communist manifesto and it's not a peaceful transition it even states in there yeah. it states in there that it has to be done violently correct and if and, you look and at and
0: honestly that is that is true if you want a utopia you have to kill a lot of people yeah. because and, like you is, were talking about, uh, I think it was before we started talking is like uh, we started recording with Donald was, you know, the, the left to an extent they want diversity, but only of, of features, right? Not, physical of, opinion, features, not, not of opinion, not of opinion, which means if you want to have just a utopia of perfected man, then you have to kill a ton of people, which is what all these all these you know revolutionary yeah. monsters did. What all these groups did was, yeah, we have to utilize violence because that's the only way to get to utopia. Because we got to kill all the people that disagree yeah, with us. You
1: can't have a utopia. You can't have the will of the people if the people um, are diverse in yeah. opinion. Yeah. And you know these dictators all believed that they were speak. Well, four of them believed that they were speaking. Uh, the will of the people, mm-hmm. well, they kind of were in a way because they killed off anyone that was uh, had yeah. a differing opinion, and then the fifth one, the Ayatollah Khomeini, well, he was speaking on behalf of God, so yeah um, can't you know beat that. It, it's like you know listen, Jefferson and adams, mm-hmm. okay, um, and i 'm not talking about what happened in the eighteen hundred election, but prior to the eighteen hundred election prior to the Alien Sedition Act, you know Jefferson and Adams had. Vastly differing opinions, mm-hmm. but they were friends, right. and they learned from each other. And and you know the good thing about you know, the Second Continental Congress and then the Constitutional Convention um, in in Philadelphia in seventeen eighty seven was that you had a diversity of opinion, so that you could hear from the other side. Mm-hmm. You could and then you could create two wonderful documents yep. that that do view things from differing you know opinions. Yeah. So. You know, you can't just have one opinion yeah. and that's it. Which is what, which is what I'm seeing a certain party uh, trying to do by uh, bringing in a lot of people into this country and giving them free stuff and giving them this and giving them that, mm-hmm. so that they're going to vote Democrat. I'm just going to say it. they're just going to yeah. vote Democrat. Oh, yeah. De- but let's bring in all these people. Let's get rid of voter integrity. Let's not. Um, make sure you know that you don't have to identify yourself mm-hmm. so that you will now have one power, one one forever. W- yeah, one party in power forever mm-hmm. and never ever relinquish that power exactly. again. Exactly.
0: Yeah, you own the elections, you own the country. All right. So uh yeah, pretty brutal conversations, but ones that have to be had. Well, let's rein it in a little bit with our book and movie recommendations. <laughs> I will go ahead, and do you want to go, or do you want yeah. me to go? Yeah, you go ahead and go. I'll okay.
1: Go. All right.
0: Okay. So, well, ladies and gentlemen, obviously, Revolutionary Monsters, and I think you and I are both on the same page to mm-hmm. an extent with that. Revolutionary Monsters is, like we said, it's a, it's a short book. You can knock this out uh, pretty quickly. It gives, and it's it's short, but it's thorough. Um, And it and it gives you man, there's so many little things that all of these things like added up one, you know, that the starting point was a an angry populace, a a populace is like, okay, this current administration, or, you know, government sucks, um, or regime sucks. So we need to have a change. And it's just like, as, as justifiable as that stance was, it was like they ushered in something that was way worse. Right, mm-hmm. all of them. So those are complaints that happen, and then obviously we we're talking about journalists um, and 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 in the West and and politicians who are just like, oh, this person's great, like Mao and Mugabe and ple- people like that. Are like, how how are you defending these people? And they turned out to be terrible. Uh, academia, these hotbeds for for revolution. Know what your kids are teaching, and I think one of the you know as terrible as the whole COVID era has been. One of the positives has been that parents have been awoken, yeah, because they, well, all right,
1: they now see what they it they now have taught.
0: visually seen what their kids are being taught. So that is a that is a plus. Um, so academia, uh, journalism, and 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 Hollywood, and all that, um, and then you know just the complaint or whatever. So we're you see it happening here. Because we've got a regime that nobody likes, really, um, and there's been, you know, with Trump, it was turmoil, and half the population didn't like him. Obama, half the population didn't like him. It's like the 21st century in politics in the U.S. has been garbage. Mm-hmm. You know, you've had four presidencies, and it's like they've gone from from bad with with Bush from W to to Biden. I mean, I, I don't even know what in the world's going on in that administration right now, but that's part of the process as Biden would say, yeah. <laughs> but that's part of what Critchlow was, uh, was talking about. So yeah, book recommendation, revolutionary monsters, you can get it, get it online. Um, uh, have it, have it sent to you. Great read. Um, and actually I put together a, um, it should be coming out. I actually wrote a review for it on, on the Epic Times. So that should be coming out pretty soon. Um, now, my my movie recommendation, like I said, man, it is, uh, it is October. So one of my favorite movies is The Wolfman. Now, I do like The Wolfman, the black and white version with uh, Lon Chaney. But uh, if you haven't seen this one, this is the one with Benicio Del Toro and Anthony Hopkins. Really uh, good sh- good uh, movie. And actually, uh, one of our favorite actresses, Emily Blunt, uh, she is fantastic. She's great in this movie. Um, so, if you haven't watched that, it is uh, the, the, the month of, of Halloween. I did go see the new Bond movie. Your Sorry Self didn't come with me for my 40th birthday, but I... Did not like the movie. Um, you I don't did know not? if I no, I didn't. Um, it felt like a Bond movie at the beginning for a long section, and then there was a really large section that did not feel like a Bond film, and then it got back to being a Bond film, and then the ending was so disappointing. Um, and then also Daniel Craig in his final Bond film, he just there were moments where you're like what are you doing? What are you monologuing for? Like Bond does not monologue. So I was pretty disappointed. And I think a lot of people were. Um, Or was it Roger and Ebert? Uh, They gave it like two stars. So even they were like, "Eh, it's not that good. Aren't they dead? I think it's called still Roger and Ebert or rogerdebert.com or whatever. But it's, uh, Yeah.
1: Well, I get all my opinions from the Rotten Tomatoes, so, you know. Whatever yeah, exactly. whenever they say whatever something. Whatever they say. If yeah. They,
0: yeah, if they think if they say Chappelle's new Netflix uh, special is is garbage, no, don't watch it. Regardless yeah. if 96% of the audience rating yeah, like fa-
1: like that Fauci movie where they gave it a ninety percent, but the audience gave it one or two percent. So it's such a joke. Well, they liked man. Um, the but the seventh or eighth Star Wars movie, and this I'm like, is part
0: of it. Yeah, this is part yeah. of it, ladies and gentlemen. Rotten Tomatoes yeah. is part of the process. Well,
1: like the Last Jedi, the Star Wars episode eight. Holy God, that, that Rose just God, okay, I wish she kill was her. killed in that scene. <laughs> You know, she's responsible for the, you know, that base being destroyed because of the gun. But, you know, she stopped the that Finn guy. You know, I, I was starting to like Finn in that scene. And then she comes in and ruins it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, OK, so, um, I, you know what? I was going to say this, but I'm going to pair this with a, another book, which I mentioned during the interview. Mm-hmm. I'm going to uh, uh, Revolutionary Monsters. You got to get it. But I'm going to pair it with another book. George Orwell's Animal Farm. Animal Farm. Yeah. You got to read Animal Farm and you got to read this. Read them together. because I think that's a really good idea. Well, you know, the whole, like, for instance, we were talking about um, like Biden nowadays where um, things are just going to hell. You know, like uh, Bo- Pete Buttigieg, whatever his name is, yeah. the transportation secretary, is on paternity leave. And we've got containers out out in the ocean that are just sitting there because we don't have any means of unloading them mm-hmm. i mean really wow and then you got all the other stuff afghanistan the border uh the economy uh just um anyway okay just read this book oh, i God. promise you even if you know it even if you uh know the history of uh you know, the, the five guys on here, Fidel Castro of Cuba, you have the Ayatollah Khomeini of Iran, you have uh, Vladimir Lenin of the Soviet Union, uh, you have Robert Mugabe of Zimbabwe, and then you have Mao Tse Tung of China.
0: I always wonder why nobody ever called him Bobby Mugabe.
1: Bobby Mugabe. I mean, I it just yeah.
0: rolls off the tongue.
1: Probably um, because someone will call you a racist. Or somebody f- would just kill you. Yeah, that in too, those days, that yeah. too. So, um, I don't know. I've known about Mugabe since 1980 when Rhodesia became Rhodesia Zimbabwe and then yep. became Zimbabwe. So, I've known about him. I knew he was a communist, and he, his like the United Nations always seemed to praise him, and yeah, the, the United always Nations seemed is to praise
0: him, yeah, trash. Anyways, well, you know,
1: like Ayatollah Khomeini, I mean, the guy, him and his followers, and his party, and the ruling elite, anti gay anti-woman, anti-semitic, even though I guess they are kind of semitic but mm-hmm. in terms of the Jewish yeah, anti-Jewish, semitic. yeah. Yeah, um but yet, there was no... There, I hear people saying, oh, Persia has a great... I know Persia has a great history, but that's pre-Ayatollahs. Um, <laughs> pre-freaking yeah. this. Yeah, so, oh. yeah, I mean, I respect the Persian yeah. history. All right, what's your move? Anyway, okay, so, yeah, get this book. Trust me, and give it to your kids. Get them to read it. Yes. Along with the 1619 Project by Dr. Mary Graybar and many De- others. Debunking, the 1619, yeah, debunking the 1619 Yeah, debunking the 1619 Project by says. Dr. Mary Graybar. Um, yeah. Movies, okay.
0: Actually, maybe a good idea to get the 1619 project and debunking, and then Compare go from them. there. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, movies. I okay. I know it's based off a book, but I l- really liked the 1992 version mm-hmm. of The Last of the Mohicans yeah. with uh, Daniel Day Lewis, Madeline Stowe, and the other one, Wes Studi. He's been like in. He was in the movie Heat. He was one of Pacino's men. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he he plays uh, Magua. Yeah, the, the I think the Indian guy. Yeah, like, Magua. The, the Native I think it's his American name. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. The he one would. who gets killed. Well, they don't tell people that. I mean, come it's on. It's
0: 1992, man. My gosh, if well, you maybe. haven't seen *Last of the Mohicans* or at least read the book, what are you, what are you, what are you uh, doing here? Yeah, a lot of people. Come on. I said he of... got killed.
1: Well, uh, yeah, there's a number
0: of Native Americans in there. People don't sure. really have to know if they've uh, not seen Heat. Okay,
1: all right, but it, it's 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 a it's a very good, really movie. good movie. And you know, the funny thing is, is that um, I actually visited the areas where they they write about, or in this case, the movie, like uh, Fort William Henry, um, which is like on the very southern end of uh, Lake George. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. If you ever go to um, You know, like uh, Saratoga, where the Battle of Saratoga took place. You're not far from Lake George, not far from Fort Ticonderoga. Go check out those places. It's beautiful, beautiful beautiful country.
0: All right. Well, next week we are going to have Ken Wise of Wise About Texas, uh, the Wise About Texas podcast, and one of our favorite guests and a friend of ours, Dr. Stephen L. Harden. Uh, we're, this is going to be it. That's going to be a fun, uh, episode. Hope you join us. And where can people find us?
1: They can find us on Facebook. Be sure to like us on Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, Instagram, follow us on Instagram and YouTube. Subscribe, subscribe to us on YouTube. We got a lot of people on Facebook. We're trying to increase it, uh, get the same numbers, um, in YouTube. Mm-hmm. So, um, but we also have our very own website which is www.thesonsofhistory.com now you can see all our previous videos you can um order mugs shirts yeah. you know yeah.
0: we got the blog so yeah we got check the blog got some of our yeah, stuff got yeah. some yeah
1: we got a lot, a lot of stuff merchandise and, and and all kinds of things um you know we still have all our videos on there don't we like uh, yeah
0: interviews oh
1: it's charles mcgee and dick cole and many others so there
0: you go all right ladies and gentlemen well we hope you enjoyed the podcast we will talk to you later